0: Well, aren't you glad that he has risen from the dead and he is Lord? Amen? All right, come on now. Y'all Y'all are dead on me now. Come on. Y'all, y'all are in the, the dead ones this morning, it seems like. All right, come on. Y'all got to get a little wild for me. So I need everybody to say amen. amen. Thank, thank you. There we go. So, gosh, it's so good to be up here in front of you all this morning. I'm glad that you all have come out. And most of you probably didn't even know that Donnie was going to be gone. And you came in and you're like, oh, Austin's preaching this morning. <laughs> All right, gonna, we're going to make it through this. But no, I, I, am, I love that Donnie, um, Donnie was been gone this week. And of course, a couple weeks ago, I knew it was coming up. And I said, Donnie, have you figured out who's going to preach uh, for that Sunday? And he said, well, I thought you were. And I said, well, you never asked me. He said, oh, well, I just assumed. And I said, I said well, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. And uh, so I, I always appreciate that Donnie... Trust me enough to do this. There's a lot of associate pastors and youth pastors who, they're pastors, and never in a million years would they trust their youth pastor to deliver a message. So I appreciate Donnie doing that. And I will tell you all, though, that the atmosphere is different without Donnie in the office. Let me tell you, Donnie, if you don't know Donnie and Lord knows he probably do by now, likes to talk, likes to talk. And so it's been dead around the office this week. I think I've gotten more done this week than I have since he started. But, uh, but no, in a sense, I miss you, brother, and I hope you're having a good time, and uh, I'll hold the fort down here while you're gone. This morning... Very simple message this morning for us. It'll probably be a, a shorter one, but it is a simple but yet important message. And you know, I I was really wrestling this week, um, and it's, of course, it's always the busiest weeks in my life. Whenever Donnie asked me to preach, and probably for every pastor, you know, stuff always comes up. I had a funeral to do Monday, and then I had a lot of other stuff to do through the week. But as I was wrestling with what God was wanting me to speak on today. The simple idea of mercy kept coming to my head. The simple idea, very simple concept. We hear these words from the time we're we're little in in VBS or Sunday school, whatever it might be, you've probably heard these words a lot. And now this understanding mercy, though, is often actually difficult for people as we tend to really live in a world and a generation of, I'm going to get him back for that. Or, I'm going to get even for that. I hope they get what they deserve. I hope that that person suffers because of what they did to me or what they did to my family a hundred years ago. Whatever it is. We have this mindset of, I hope they get what they deserve. And many people have developed kind of a nature of just harsh criticism and a harsh personality about them. And they want others to get what they have coming to them. And then some more on top of that. You know, mercy is defined as compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Now let me ask you a question this morning. When it comes to your relationship with God as an individual, as a church, what would you say is our greatest need? What is it above anything else that we need as we approach the throne of God to worship Him? I'll tell you this morning because I know the answer and that answer is mercy. We need mercy from God. Mercy is it's to be looked upon by God not as we deserve to be looked upon but looked upon favorably. We don't have, we don't, we don't have any punishment that we have deserved this morning. That's what mercy is all about. It is a greater need than any other need that we could have because without it We can never, ever even come close to God. We can never, ever seek His face, and we can never, ever depend upon Him and call upon Him as Father. We need mercy. Mercy, my friends, is at the heart of the Christian faith. If you call yourself a Christian, you've experienced what mercy is. Listen to what Paul says here this morning in Ephesians chapter 2, um, verses 4 through 7 is what we're going to look at. And as you're turning there, if you haven't already... Paul is basically writing to the church of Ephesus. He's writing this letter, and he is basically writing them to teach them about how the gospel of Jesus Christ can transform their culture and their community and their way of life. He wanted them to know the unity that God desires from them and their community. So as we read these passages this morning, keep that in mind about these are the words that what Paul is saying what God wants for our our lives but also our community as well. Ephesians 2, 4-7 reads, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love that He had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our trespasses, you are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus let's pray this morning father thank you thank you thank you god for just this opportunity to worship you father this opportunity to truly experience your mercy and your grace and father we we just pray This morning, as we're diving into your word, Father, that you would reveal to us something new, Father. Help us to know that it is without, God, your mercy that we couldn't have a relationship with you, Father. It's only through that, God, so I pray you'd be with us this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. The passage starts out, and it says, but God. And now, in our experiences of reading the Bible and just living life, we've, we've heard that terminology a little bit. We've heard... This but God statement. And usually what that's leading to is something big's about to happen. We hear about a bad situation that's happening in the Bible, whether it's in the Old or New Testament, uh, whether it's somebody who's needing a meal, or whether it's somebody who's needing healing, or somebody that's just needing something. Usually the passage comes in and it says, but God. And then usually we see God do something amazing. And in this passage, the but God points to God's answer to people's dreadful Situation, you know, mercy is God's compassion for the helpless that relieves their situation. Grace, in, and then the grace involves God giving believers what they do not deserve. And so, now imagine for a moment this morning that you're in a courtroom. It's a basic scene; you all know this scene. It's a well-known scene. We often think about God's final judgment, kind of in that sense. We think of God sitting up on the throne. We think of ourselves, maybe standing before God maybe some other people around, whatever it might be. And we imagine that we're trying to argue our case for acceptance by God and entry into his kingdom. What would you say? How would you plead your case? Would the court find you not guilty? Knowing perfectly well that you are guilty and deserving death. There's a lot of people this morning who that's how they're living their lives. They're living their lives in the sense of, well, I've done a lot of good for God. I've done a lot of good. I've, uh, I've heard many examples in the last few weeks of people as I've been through the funeral home several times. And, and um, a lot of people just say, well, this man lived a, it lived a really good life. There's no doubt that he's in heaven today. There's no doubt that she's in heaven today because of the good life that she lived. That's great if she lived a good life. But did she know God? Without God, we can't have that relationship with Him. Without having that in our lives. And so, how many of you are trying to make that case? Well, I've went to church X amount of times. I did this. I I served here. I served here. I did this in my life. I reached out to this person. Are you living with just hoping that you're doing enough good to get into heaven? Are you living with knowing what mercy can do for you? You know... A lot of us, though, know perfectly well that we are guilty and we deserve death. But then, all of a sudden, in our lives, mercy walks in. And there's this old Southern Gospel song. Southern Gospel slash hymn, whatever you want to call it. That The words kind of go like this. Uh, I took uh, the uh, verse out of it, so listen to this this morning. The words say this. Many of you will probably recognize it. It says, I stood in the courtroom. The judge turned my way. It looks like you're guilty now. What do you say? I spoke up. Your Honor, I have no defense, but that's when mercy walked in. Mercy walked in and pleaded my case, called to the stand, God's saving grace. The blood was presented that covered my sin, forgiven when mercy walked in. Praise the Lord, I stood there and wondered how could this be, that someone so guilty had just been set free. My chains were broken, I felt born again the moment that mercy walked in. The blood was presented that covered my sin, forgiven when mercy walked in. And that is exactly the title of the sermon this morning, is When Mercy Walked In. In this message, I I hope to show uh, a few of you what mercy does for us. And we're going to look at kind of four applications this morning as to what mercy really is and how it affects our life. And so the first point this morning is mercy brings us forgiveness Mercy brings us forgiveness. There we go. Now it's up there. And so, as we read in our scriptures, as we read in the passage today and in many other scriptures, it tells us that fundamentally, God's mercy is about forgiveness. It all is based around this idea of forgiveness. And it's fundamental and it's a prime requirement. People all around the world, all around this country, even in this room, or even those who are maybe listening online, are thinking the same thing. They are thinking that they will be able to approach God on their own merit about all the good stuff that they have done. But what they don't understand is that when it comes to our relationship with God, it's based off pure forgiveness. Pure forgiveness. That is it. And you're like, well, Austin, well, of course I know that. God has forgiven me of my sins. God has done this, all this in my life. I've asked for forgiveness. That's great. But how many of us have had the thoughts of, well, I, hopefully, hopefully if I go to church and pray really hard, God will do this for me. Or, or, or if, I, if I serve in Sunday school, if I become a Sunday school teacher, I know God's going to really do this for me. That's basing God's faithfulness on your own merit, of you trying to do as much as you can just to say that I've done enough good, so I know I'm going to get into heaven. Even at your very best, at your absolute best, it is not enough to please God. You know, it's our human nature to think that way. It's human nature to be proud of what we've done. But what the Bible does is shatter our illusions of that thought. And they are illusions if we are thinking that. Romans 8.8 says, So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And so, if we are to ever have a relationship with God, our prime, prime need, our first need is to be forgiven. And many of us know that. That's the first step to becoming a Christian, is admitting what we have done and, and saying, God, will you please forgive me? That is the first part of it, and we know this. What, whatever else our needs might be, they may be many, but our most important need is to be forgiven time and time again. Because I guarantee you, we've all sinned since we've been saved. We all have. We all wake up every morning and we're we're sinners. That's what we have. We have bad thoughts. We think bad things about people. We maybe say things we shouldn't say. We do things we shouldn't do. We need forgiveness time and time again. And that is our prime need. You know, sin is a relationship breaker. How many times, if you can even count them, has sin caused you problems and difficulties in your life? in your relationships with people, we all know that it's true. So think about how much more so has sin in our relationship with the Lord caused us problems with our relationship. Sin is a relationship breaker. However, God's mercy means that He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. Because if God treated us how we deserved, we wouldn't have anything in life. We wouldn't have a promise. We wouldn't have any hope that one day we'll get to see our loved ones again. We won't have any hope that there's anything to look forward to after this life. But our promises and our hopes are all based upon forgiveness, that God has forgiven you of your sins. Because of God's mercy, we are forgiven. Point two this morning. Mercy comes to us without limits comes to us without limits. You know, David talks a lot about mercy when he's writing his uh, passages in Psalms. And look what he says in Psalm 86:5 says for you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. Here he talks about abundant love in this verse. And as sometimes in the old hymn, as we sing, there's a wideness in God's mercy that is wider than the greatest sea. And so I know it covers even me. It's hard for us to imagine in our lives something without bounds. I mean, it's kind of hard. We just think, we think of, okay, well, that field is really, really big. Or, you know, that building is really, really big. But like this church building has bounds. We obviously have a roof. We obviously have a parameters. We have a street that runs right here. When you're driving down the road, the road is not as wide as some of you people think it might be. Um, The road has parameters. Stay on the road, okay? But it's hard for us to imagine our lives without some sort of just kind of bounds about it. We have, you know, finite minds, and we live in a world in this concept of this concept of God is pretty abstract, and our minds really just can't handle it. I mean, think about things that we think about bounds. Many of you are farmers. Obviously, you have to have bounds for your cattle or whatever it is. When I, when I raised cows and all that, they still like to jump over those fences, but you still have to have them there so they know those bounds. Or maybe many of you have... Something that's pretty prevalent in my life right now. Many of you have a dog and they have like a fence maybe that goes in their backyard and they know that's their bounds. Or maybe they have one of those underground fence things where it might not be able to see it, but they know if they step across that line, they're about to get zapped pretty hard. And so they kind of stay back away from it. They know pretty, pretty well. Or maybe even just something as simple as a dog collar That's a bound for the dogs. They know that if they're on their leash and they feel a little tug that they're supposed to stop going. But if your dog's anything like mine, you know that it just keeps trying to pull. And they even hop up on their back legs. And then after they jump down, they're like, And I'm just like, all you got to do is just listen. All you got to do is feel. And when I'm pulling back, just don't keep going. But they just keep doing it because they're dogs and they want to do whatever they want to do. But we have bounds in our lives. We all know that we're not supposed to step outside the bounds of whatever it might be. In our relationship, there's a bounds. You're bound to one person if you're married. At your job, you're bound to a certain job. That's what you do. We have bounds in life, but God's mercy knows no bounds. There are no bounds in God's mercy. There's not offense. There's not so much if you become a Christian. There's not this certain line that if you cross, you can't ever come back. Once you receive so much mercy, you won't ever be forgiven again. No, God's mercy is infinite. God's mercy is infinite. Now, does that mean that we go out and sin every single day on purpose and that we uh, go out and party and all this kind of stuff and just say, oh, it's okay, God's going to forgive me. God's got to. That's what who he is. No, we don't do that. That's cheap grace is what that is. There's a pastor who I follow who, who calls that drive-through grace, basically, that you pull up to the speaker when you're praying to God and you're like, God, I, I did this, 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 and this, and this. Please forgive me. Okay, drive off, the next day you come right back for it because of all the stuff that you know you're going to get the exact same time. And that's not to say we won't mess up. We know we're going to mess up. But when you are purposely out there doing things on purpose, and you're like, well, God's got to forgive me. It's okay. Check your heart. Check your heart. Because you, that's not real grace. That's not, that's not grace at all. God's mercy, though, knows no bounds this morning. In fact, God's mercy is so, so great that it's pretty much inexpressible, really. God's mercy really knows no limit. There's none who is beyond his saving power. And so, why is this so important for us to grasp? And Austin, why do you keep talking about it? You keep saying the same thing. Why, as we think about God's character, do we need to remind ourselves to the extent of God's mercy? And the answer is because of our need for it. We have to have God's mercy in order to be the Christian that God wants us to be, or the one that you say that you want to be. third point this morning is, mercy is available to everyone. We're going to head right into that point. You know, Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. More precisely, in this passage, It's available to all who call on God. You know, doctrine and theology and all. It's pretty important, and we, we must not neglect it, okay? And some of you are like, I've never even heard those words before. That's okay. Basically, you know, all of, all of, our, all, all of the stuff that we believe, as Southern Baptist, that is so important, and we must not neglect it. But in all the arguments and discussions about all sorts of doctrines and theologies about who is right and who is wrong, and you all got it all messed up, and this is how it's really supposed to be, we sometimes lose sight of the fact that the offer of God's mercy is free and available to all. It is free and available to all. Brothers and sisters this morning, friends, let's not limit God's mercy. And you're like, well, Austin, I don't even know, I don't even know what you're talking about. We all have. When you think about that person, you're like, well, I can't believe they're here. Think about all the stuff that they've done. You know, why would they come to church? Or it's just like when when we ask you, like, bring a friend, do this. Bring a friend to this activity or whatever. And they're like, well, they're not really the church-going type. They probably shouldn't be here. What does that even mean? What does that even mean? They're the ones who we want here. We want the worst of the worst here. I don't care how bad someone is. That is what church is for. So broken people coming together to worship God in unity. That is what church is all about. And so, friends, know that mercy is available to anyone. It's not just the the good white-collar folks who come to church or to the country club or whatever. It is available to anyone of any race, of any background, of any socioeconomic status. It is available to anyone. If we're not careful, we can do this in our lives and in our church life, and we feel deep down that there are just certain people who are somehow beyond God's mercy. Remember, it's simply not true. God's mercy belongs to everyone, to those who will ask upon himself. Point four this morning. Mercy is guaranteed to us from God. Ephesians 1.13 says, In him... You also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. See, in this passage that we're, that we're reading, when we become born again, we are sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. And with the Spirit, we see a merciful God, and we see that the free and abundance of mercy that He showers upon us. It is guaranteed. How refreshing. How promising to hear that God's mercy is guaranteed. Look at Psalm 86, 7, which says, In the day of my trouble I will call upon you, for you answer me. God's mercy is guaranteed to us. Here we see that David is absolutely certain of God's response. There is no question or doubt in his mind And for us born-again believers, that there is no doubt in our minds also that God hears us and shows us mercy. We have that guarantee. Know that if you are a child of God, God's mercy is extended to you each and every day, and that God hears your prayers, that God hears your request. God doesn't turn a deaf ear to you if you are a child of His. Paul also says in Romans 10, 11, it says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. What this is telling us, folks, is that anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Folks, that is mercy, and it has no bounds or limits. See, there's really no difference between the Jews and the Gentiles. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all those who call upon him. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord... Will be saved. We know that verse. Paul is echoing Jesus' word. Whoever comes to me, I will never, ever drive away. God wants everybody to be his child. God wants everybody to come to him and ask for forgiveness so that, so that he can bless them. God's mercy is guaranteed. We need to believe in the Bible. Many of us this morning, that's the problem we have is that we lack assurance. It must be. The Bible tells us that God's mercy is assured, but we feel sometimes that it's not. We, what does that mean? It's simply saying that we are doubting the Bible. We are unable to take God at his word. And so let's see that God's mercy is guaranteed. Many of us think that, well, I've just messed up way too many times. I, I can't do that. I can't, I can't be a Sunday school teacher. I can't serve as a deacon. I can't do all this stuff. I can't. I, I just can't. My past is too dirty. My past is too bad. That's Satan telling you a lie right in your ear. God's mercy is available to you just like it's available to the guy next door. Just like it's available to the person who's telling you that. God's mercy is guaranteed to all. We can all start over. You know, friends, that our sins are great. We have a lot of great, lots of sins, but God's mercy is greater. Our sin is enormous, but yet God's mercy is boundless. Our sin drives a wedge, though, in between ourselves and God, but yet God's mercy is freely available to all those who call on him and comes with a solid lifetime guarantee. If you didn't know that, if you needed to be sold on it this morning, it's a lifetime guarantee. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says this. It says, "...the steadfast love of the Lord, it never ceases." His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. What a promise. What a promise. God's mercies are new each and every morning because each day only has enough mercy for that day. It only has enough for that day. God appoints every day's troubles. He knows what you're going to go through when you wake up. He knows what you're going to go through when you go to school or when you go to work or when you go visit your family that you're dreading about uh, visiting. He knows exactly what you're going through. And so he appoints the mercies for that day. God appoints every day's mercies. And in the life of his children, they are perfectly appointed. God's mercy will come to you exactly at the time that you need it. Matthew 6.34 says, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Every day has its own troubles. However, each day also has its own mercies. Each is new every morning. Know that this morning... That God's love is there for you. God's faithfulness is there for you. And in those times when you're feeling like, where, God, where are you? God, wh- why aren't you taking care of this problem? Why aren't you doing this? Know that God's mercies and God's faithfulness is right there beside you each and every day. You have to call upon him though He wants you to come to him. Each day there's new Mercies. Looking back at the passage, it says, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace we are saved. It was God who raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Guys, all of this because mercy walked in while we were in that court facing that judge. Folks, that is what mercy does when it walks in. Guys, without God, the Bible says it clears day. We're dead in our trespasses. We're dead in our transgressions. We are dead in our sin. Without God, we have nothing. You are dead. You're nothing. But God's grace and God's mercy is simple. If you ask for forgiveness and you come to to him wanting that, he will extend that hand to you. And not only are you just forgiven, but the Bible says that we're seated at the throne next to him. We are there. Mercy, 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 mercy is our key to having a faithful relationship with Christ. And know that that mercy is there for you if you want it this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today, God, and thank you just for your love, God, and your mercy and your grace. Father, Lord, I pray this morning that we would really understand maybe a little bit more about what your mercy is, God, and how we we do need that. Father, how we do need that in our lives, God, and that without it, there really is no relationship with you. Father, without it, we can't come to you. Father, help us to know that, that, that though if we come to you and that if we ask for, for that forgiveness, God, that you can give us that, God, and you're going to be right there. You're going to grab us by the hand and pull us in. God, Lord, I pray this morning that if there is anyone here who doesn't know you, Father, that they would get that taken care of today. Father, that if there is somebody here who does know you, Father, but maybe they're struggling in their walk, Father, I pray that you would give them the courage to maybe come pray at this altar this morning about laying it all down for you. Father, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.